lights, camera, cinematic. cinematic. That was a great intro, and thank all of you for joining us on our inaugural podcast with your host, myself, Jonathan Guandois. And me, Rick Acevedo. Yep. And you may know us from our films on, uh, that we do with Triskillian Productions. You may have seen Searching for uh, Betty Paoli and Boys School, directed by our favorite director uh, over here. It's me. Rick. It's me. <laughs> I'm the favorite director. They really like me. They we do. He's me. great. He's amazing, I swear. Yeah. He's not paying me to say any of this. You, you know so, who also says that a lot about me? Not to give myself any props, but I mean, they are necessary. My mom totally says that I'm like, you know, I'm literally her favorite kid. Yeah, that's true. But your mom wants to drink wine with me. So uh, I don't oh, want to go. Ouch. <laughs> ouch. No, this is our podcast, Cinemagic, and we're so happy to have you here with us. Inaugural uh, podcast, mind you. Yes, yes. Uh, and why don't you tell them why we came together to do this? Because I believe it was your idea, the greatest idea you've had to let people see me talk. Um, Part of it was because I was like wildly inspired um, seeing you step into your own shots in a cave in Italy. It was then that I felt that you were the absolute greatest invention since sliced bread, man. I, I felt that like we, it was us and, and then there was Jonathan. And that was one of the things that inspired me in your imagination to actually do this podcast. But what, but what really inspired what really inspired the podcast is you know, I feel that one of the things that that really helps is when you have people that are, you know, working in the industry and, and trying to make it, you know, share experiences and how they see things from their own particular perspective as far as film and television is concerned. And I, and I think that over the years, we've learned to see things, you know, from a different perspective and um, and what have you. So I think that this is a, a great way to, for us to do that as a as a team and everything. So that was, that was my, my little, my little pearl of, you know, wisdom. Yeah. And it was even simpler for me. Uh, said, Hey, do you want an opportunity to talk? And I heard talk and I just kept talking and immediately stopped listening. Uh, but <laughs> no, really, I, oh I do think for all of you out there listening, it's great to see um, just kind of how a small production company, right? Small filmmakers, independent filmmakers boutique boutique yeah boutique boutique how we go through and learn and become part of the industry mm -hmm. and just like i said take our viewpoints out there so you can see what the next generation of filmmakers are really making and i know exactly. when i say that you may say we have white hair but we're still there we're all filmmakers like you and what we're going out there what we're going through what do we see uh and bro wait a minute i've been dying my hair for like the past 10 years i don't know what the hell you're talking about no white hair here <laughs> I've had white hair since 18. So since 18? I, I 18. I had my first white mm. hair at 18. That's yeah. awesome, dude. Like, yeah. 
That meant you were that meant you were graceful from the time that you were eighteen, you know. Because when we get white hair, it's like that's uh, grateful and uh, kind of sexy. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I've had someone tell me before they can't wait to be, I become a sexy grandpa. I also can't wait to become a sexy grandpa, uh, but that means I'd have to have a kid first. So wait, uh, wait a minute. Hold, hold up, hold up. I I feel like you're not letting everyone see the real you, um, Jonathan, because. Um, you know, there was a conversation had at one point where you said you wanted to be a lot like old Orson Welles. Now, yeah. we, we might, we may touch this in some detail later on, but I'm just saying, for those of you that, that know. for Oscar discussion. That is, in particular, for Oscar discussion. Exactly. That is foreshadowing. Tune into it. See, this is why you need to stay on this podcast because this podcast is going to come out of left field, then it's going to come out of right field, then midfield. I don't really play baseball, but for those of you that love baseball, you might also want to tune in because you'll feel like you're watching a game that's that's captivating you. No, no, so, no. You're watching the commenters comment on baseball. See? Yeah. And that's so, everybody's favorite part of baseball is the so, commentators. Yeah, so just imagine like two Harry Carries. No, don't imagine that. That's terrible. Now let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, which have you? No, nope, that's television. We're oh. here now. We talk about television too. But yeah. like you said, we're seeing our perspective on everything. We mostly want to keep it to movies and filmmaking. But like mm -hmm. the rest of you, we love television. We love all forms of entertainment. So you may hear other stuff as well. Absolutely. So, uh, Tune in. It's always going to be fun and exciting. And sometimes we'll even have guests. But since it's our inaugural one, we wanted to just do the two primaries uh, when I say that. We, we wanted to give you what's called the um, the blessing of us. And, um, and, and that in and of itself is like a rite of passage for many. So mm -hmm. um, think about that. Discuss it amongst yourselves. And then remember, you've been blessed by us. Yes. Uh, Triskelion Productions. That's right. Content with conscience. Yep. Content with... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we won't tell you what's in that conscience, though. You don't want to know. <laughs> A future podcast. <laughs> got to keep them hooked in. They got to want to come Exactly. Back. We got to keep, keep them going, right? <laughs> got to keep them up. Uh, so originally when we were opening up this podcast, uh, we're supposed to record earlier. We're going to talk about WandaVision, which we still will probably going to wait until it's a little more finished. I actually came up with wanting to talk about something earlier. So Rick, That's right. what did I come to you and say, what did I want to talk to you about? Well, after, after you told me what had happened last week, which I will not go into details of because it's very personal. Yes, um, I was uh, very sick. Uh, so I couldn't record last week. It was uh, sushi related. So if you ever have bad sushi, you know what that's that's all about. Um, and then Jonathan said to me, let's talk about um, how the pandemic is affecting the movie going experience for everyone, which I thought was a brilliant way to really start because, I mean, we've been living this pandemic now for 10 months, roughly, like really in, in, in full bloom. And what was a normal experience for some or an almost religious experience for others, which is the movie going experience has, has ceased to exist in, 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 in the normal way that we really know it. And it's affected the industry in ways that we really didn't imagine 
where you know it, that it was it was really going to affect the industry in those ways. But then again, we didn't imagine that ninety percent of the stuff that's happened would happen, mm-hmm. but it did. So you know, the the movie going experience and the movie industry is really just kind of part of that. It's collateral damage, really. So, but yeah, yeah Jonathan I, came up with a great idea for that. So, and and I felt that we couldn't have a podcast where we talk about the movie making experience, the movie viewing experience and talking about movies without talking about the biggest elephant in the room, uh, movie theaters, right? Right. Everything. What is going to (laughs) happen with that? So it's like, let's get that out the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think this is a great topic to bring to all of you because uh, Rick and I do not agree on this one. Uh, We kind of (laughs) do. There's a reason Okay, there's a reason. I'm going to throw this out, okay? Jonathan is like one of the top 10 popcorn savants in the world. This man this man could literally if they ever did a top chef where it was only only about popcorn, Jonathan would win. Like he would have popcorn dishes that don't even have a name and and it'll be like all about that. So Jonathan is a guy that can create and recreate literally the the movie going experience in his home because mm-hmm. he's got a perfect size screen with literally the perfect amount of space between that and his movie going comfy comfy reclining couch which you know the movie theaters now basically move to recliner seats and he's got like literally his own popcorn machine and this mm-hmm. pop this popcorn machine, mind you, has like all sorts of gourmet butters, like mm-hmm. the popcorn, the popcorn, salt. yeah, the gourmet butter, butter, butters and salts. Actually, no, both. I, I'm, I really, I'm kind of, you know, it's both. He's got both butter these things, butter. things that I didn't even know existed. Right? This isn't that crusty butter that you get that you're like, oh man, you want to put some butter, and then you're like, nah, because then my popcorn is gonna taste like, like sort of form of death. So in his movie-going experience, he's already got it all figured out. Like, he was pandemic-ready for this situation. You forgot about the surround sound. I got it all. Oh, and that surround sound and everything. All of it. All of it. You know, he's he's got it all. Like, you don't feel like... You're not going to feel, if you go to Jonathan's house, to to relive the movie-going experience... Like you're missing anything. Plus, then there's the fact that uh, there's no gum underneath any places, mm-hmm. you know, or odd fluids that you don't know where they came from. If it's soda or you know, goodness knows what else. So no, no people on their cell phones. No talking <laughs> at all. Have you ever? Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question and 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 be honest with me on this. Did you ever had a situation where you had to get like you had to loudly say get off your damn cell phone please all the time literally the last three or four times i've been to the movies uh my partner and i we literally had to ask someone to put down their phones because they were on their phones the whole time see whole time i had texting texting lighting up phone going off buzzing whole time See, my situations always seem to get a little bit more 
crazy because it's like it'll be a girl or or a guy that are younger and they're basically talking to someone like right in the middle of the previews and like i don't know about you but if i'm going to a movie man i, I want to watch my previews oh i okay. i always go for the previews absolutely I always, I always go for the previews i love the previews my favorite part it's yeah, because it's like man, coming attractions, and you see this, and it's like, oh man, it's this movie that they've been talking about for the last twelve years. It's it's Titanic Part Two, Rose's Revenge. You know where she takes revenge on the Titanic. Um, that's not a real thing, by the way. For anyone that thinks that's an actual thing, that's not a real thing. But but if you're a producer, we totally got story and scripts idea. We'll do that for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll totally, totally gonna do that. Rose's Revenge. Why not? Yeah, yeah. so. It would be like, you know, the 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 soundtrack would be done by Metallica, though. I think it would yes. Be... I'm gonna say this: Hollywood does not have enough um, um, older women helming action films. I mean, Liam Neeson, even Denzel, they've been doing it forever yes. in their old age. Denzel's damn near seventy now; uh, he's still doing it. And I love him, and I watched the last movie that just came out. But with that said. We need more. I want Helen Mirren not to just be in Fast and Furious. I want her taking two Tommy guns and going to town. That's oh, yeah, well, wait a minute. Helen, Helen Mirren, very hot. I mean, she's she's just a hot lady. I'm sorry. I don't I don't mean to say that in a negative way, but she's just very incredibly, like, she's a badass. I agree. Even Jane Duty Dench, who was in the Bond movies, I didn't see her do enough action. So I really think we need to... Seen them do a lot. Yeah, no, that'd be that'd be that'd be pretty cool. It'd be like it'd be like you know, grannies and guns type thing. Because you know, they're older, obviously, but but they can do it. Actually, that movie where Helen Mirren um and uh what's his name from Lord of the Rings? Was it the the Khan or something? What's the name of that Oh yes, um with uh Elon McKellen. Ian McKellen. I haven't seen that yet. That was on my list to see. You got to see it. I'm not going to say yeah. anything, but you got to see it. Yes. But, um, you know, getting back to the pandemic, the first thing that I started thinking of was, okay, what are they going to do now for all these massive releases that are coming out? Like, when when you heard that... What did you think? Did it make any difference to you because you're not as big a fan of going to the movies? Or or did you think, hooray, this is great for me because I'm not a, as big a fan of going to the movie at all? Okay, so to, to set everything up, so we right. talked about this. Rick is very much for uh, for the future of movie theaters, where he set it up. He loves movie theaters. He cannot wait for movie theaters to come back. So during when the pandemic hit, uh, as filmmakers ourselves and movie theaters were closing, of course, good theaters needed to close. The virus needs to stop spreading. Let's get that out the way. We, we're with you. So we're talking post-pandemic, right? <laughs> we're with everyone there. We understand why movie theaters are shut down. We agree. We're there. So post-pandemic, what are you thinking about? So when I was there thinking about it, I was like, okay, movie theaters shutting down. I wondered like you, what is happening to all these big budget films? What is going to happen? Right. Uh, I kind of think of the biggest film I wanted to see so hard because everything's been pushed now that it's just all jumbled into. <laughs> was it was it, was it Trolls? Did you want to see Trolls? Trolls was awesome. Uh, you know, honestly, I think it was Scooby-Doo. I'm going to be honest. I think I was very excited to see Scooby-Doo in theaters and Did support Scooby-Doo as a massive Scooby-Doo fan. Uh, I wanted to support Scooby-Doo in theaters. So I, I wow. actually think 
Scooby-Doo I was sad for because it's the first time it has a kind of live action animated one in a very long time that's gone to actual mm -hmm. theaters. Uh, so I was super excited for it. So movies like that, I was like, well, this is the worst time for them. If they don't make their money, they're going to fail. What are they going to do? Uh, so for myself, I was like, I'm willing to pay the 20 plus dollars if it goes on streaming to help keep these alive during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I did. I bought Scoob on uh, VOD rental, uh, <laughs> watched it all and everything. Uh, but I think post-pandemic, I was pre-pandemic, sorry. I was still set on going to movie theaters. I did go to movie theaters. Um, if I could watch a movie at home, I would honestly watch a movie at home rather than going to the theaters because theaters sometimes, oh man. Uh, <laughs> but there's still an experience. I would take my brother to see the Brawley movie. I would go and see all the Marvel movies day one. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. So, you know, I, I still saw it as an event. But post pandemic, now that we've lived it and my home theater, which I love, which I'm like, uh, sometimes some movies I'll just watch in my home theater has now morphed into this, well, now I can see all these big budget things the same day. And then what's the difference? What, has, what do the theaters do to bring me back? After this pandemic, what do theaters have to do to bring regular people like me? A lot of people now have uh, bigger TVs, right? Uh, a lot of people now are getting surround sound. TVs have become much cheaper. Uh, audios in them already mixed with surround sound. Dolby, Atmos, all that stuff is yeah. cheaper than it's ever been. It's just, it has. So theaters, I feel, need to do something to bring people back because why would we go to the theater? Like, why? Why would we do it anymore? I, I think, and, I think that the big question is, can they even really? Because as you know, theaters don't make money on on films; they just rent the screens out for X amount of time. You know. Can they actually adjust their business plan, which is primarily based on concessions, to actually, you know, to actually do something? And, and, and that's where you really have to go, like, all the way back because, you know, I could tell you that when my stepfather, who's 79 years old, was a kid, he would go and, and, and watch what were called serials, you know, like a 30-minute Superman and a 30-minute Batman followed by a cowboy movie and it was 10 cents and then you know so yeah the experience has morphed throughout the years to to a way that now what they're thinking about is you know we need to get as much popcorn out of there as possible mm -hmm. so you know can another question is can they actually figure that out because they already put the comfy seats seats in They've got theaters where you can call and, and have people, you know, bring you your food. Um, but can it actually evolve from that? Yeah. And my thinking is always. So I love that you brought up, um, you know, your dad, 79, back in the day, what he used to do back in the day, watch theaters. Yeah. Why are things that we go to theaters to see movies anyway, right? Because that's the only thing we could actually watch movies on. Right. Mm -hmm. We didn't have home setups. We didn't have VCRs back in the day. Mm -hmm. We just said we go to theaters to see plays. This is a new form of entertainment where we watch. It makes sense to put them in theaters. That's what we did. But the second we started having our own TVs in colors, which VHSs and everything, that model was automatically outdated. It's an old model. 
And I don't think theaters have adapted to that changing model. All the way back from VHS. They should have saw this writing on the wall back in the VHS days. Mm -hmm. And I think they went more in concessions. It took them forever to get comfy seats, but they went more in concessions than anything to keep people around instead of drastically changing what they're even there for. So that's why, like, post-pandemic, I think theaters really need to do more than just showing movies. I, I don't think showing movies is enough anymore. You can watch movies anywhere. Um, Wonder Woman, I don't know if you saw the report from Deadline that Wonder Woman was more watched than even Soul. Their numbers doubled and tripled for HBO Max. It's going to be really hard to tell these people, hey, I know you just watched Wonder Woman at home, but now go back to the theaters to watch it, right? Why? Yeah. I've seen it. What else are you going to bring me? Surround sound. I got it. Big screen. We got it. Comfy seats. Got it at home. What more can you provide me? Oh, I have popcorn. Someone like me. I got my popcorn. What can you provide me to come back to you? Because it's 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 now done. You can't just say, I have the movie. It Come and see it. Right? That's, that's it. That's all I have to do now. I have the movie. I, I don't I th think that's enough anymore. I, I think, think they literally have to do different things. I think that... What you're saying really speaks to the divide in terms of audience. And when I say that there's a divide in terms of audience, I mean that there's always going to be the audience that are like sort of the faithful. Because even Wonder Woman in theaters has made, when I last checked, and this was a while back ago, it was like $150 million. Now, obviously, there's no database online or anywhere really to access how these movies are making money in in um in streaming but they must be because netflix constantly you know releases new films on streaming so does amazon um really before the pandemic they started doing that thing where they started releasing things and it would be a limited run on theaters and then it would be the rest of the run in in um in streaming so i think there's that divide in an audience where you always have the faithful and if they manage to stay afloat, you know, they're probably just going to be like, okay, well, we're hoping if, you know, we're staying afloat, we're breaking even. It's fine. You know, it's when we start losing theater rentals, which then means we'll have three to four empty screens at a time when we used to have 10 screens playing the same movie at times. Like you would see, you know, Marvel would come out with a brand new movie and, and it would be like, oh, well, you know, they've had, they've got 10 freaking theaters playing Avengers at different times. And these theaters are playing Avengers in, in different ways. You know, you got different sound, you got different, you know, a 4K theater, this and that and, and what have you. So I think they won't necessarily adapt until they've, you know, it's, it's a real significant issue in terms of what they're actually getting as far as rentals are concerned and, and, and all of that, not because they make money that way, but because that's how they bring the people in. You know, if you've got a movie, a film that's going to make, you know, $150 million opening weekend on 3000 screens, that means that, You've got 20 of those screens rented, which means that you've, you're going to have 20 of those screens con consistently going and people consistently coming in, getting that popcorn, um, getting the airheads or whatever it is, you know, you're into. And, you know, but then there's the people that are like, well, 
do I really need to share this experience with other people that I might be ticked off at because they're not off their phones, you know? So I think mm. that that's one of the things that those are a couple of the factors really that you got to look at is how, how are they looking at the numbers, you know, because they're looking at, at the numbers as the pandemic effect. Well, the pandemic has been terrible for everybody, not just movie theaters, but for everyone. So once we start selling that popcorn again and the, and the large diets and the terrible hot dogs, we'll be good. You know, we'll be good. We'll be able to recoup. So I think that's one of those things, you know? Yeah. And that's why I think that the model needs to be, and I'm a dude who comes from theater. So when I say this, I come from, you know, old school mm -hmm. acting theater, uh, actor, uh, right? <laughs> but I am a thespian. I, <laughs> I do think they need to become more of community theaters, right? So when I say this, I know people have a bad rap of community theaters, but mm -hmm. I think movie theaters are no longer the avenue for blockbusters. So even when we're making films, we think about streaming, right? We would love to play in these big, big theaters and theaters, but there's a lot that goes behind that. Mm. But streaming is something that realistically, a lot of uh, boutique filmmakers, independent filmmakers, starting filmmakers start on. That shouldn't be the case. They should start in theaters, right? Uh, <laughs> start the community theaters. Theaters have now become only bloated for the big budget movies which take a lot of shares and they were on concession instead of being a place where filmmakers and film lovers can go to see new smaller things things that necessarily wouldn't play on uh streaming with the big numbers that it has a place where they can maybe even at the same time no matter where the filmmaker is like fathom events sit there and actually talk with people after film have q a's because right now that's really blocked off to a lot of film festivals and other things they don't have filmmakers actively engaging with audiences, especially smaller ones, that they could over streaming, that they could stream into a movie theater, right? Uh, multiple ones and have the event, just like Fathom. They could actually have these smaller events for people, make, instead of money off concession, actually do more than just showing those big theaters. Because I really think post-pandemic, it's hard, it's gonna be hard to get some people back in. It just is. You're going to have to change some things that you do. And I think one of that is just, we're not here to watch because you can watch anywhere. We're here that we can do more, right? And even if I'm a small theater in Kentucky, I can stream my Q&A with a filmmaker around the world. So this theater functions for this community and anybody who likes these types of films, rather than we're just a place that shows up and watch movies. There's, it's funny you should bring that up because it, it really goes back to, I think the evolution of theaters as a whole and like, you know, movie theaters were, I don't, I don't know how you think of them, but I always think of movie theaters as like the old tiny theaters with the big light bulb, uh, light bulbs around the, the signs and everything like that. And there's very few of those left actually, you know, that really is movie going experience to its highest. I remember I went to a theater like that. It was in Kankakee, Illinois. I forgot what it was called, but it was, it was like what you would refer to as the Bijou or something <laughs> of that nature, you know, but as, as theaters sort of evolved, it, it just became a room and sometimes an unpleasant one, because I know that when I was going to theaters as a kid, when they were called, you know, Plexus, um, the seats, the seats were these uncomfortable, like 
almost airplane seats, you know, mm -hmm. the floors were mm -hmm. sticky a lot of times. And this is it. This is if you didn't go to Dollar Theater. Dollar Theater is the place that you went when you wanted to watch a movie, but didn't want to pay, you know, like four fifty. Instead, you wanted to pay a dollar, and you could watch both uh, Street Fighter and Boogie Nights on the same day. And the, the seats look like 70s seats. They had, like, covers in them. I don't know if you ever went to a movie theater like a, where the seats had covers. I went to plenty of dollar theaters, which, like, stuff like Redbox and streaming basically killed. Because by that time, those things just went to that. And again, why spend the money if you could do it all? Yeah, and but it's it's this progression where now you go to theater and you see most every theater feels like a stadium. You're in your reclining seat, which is all great and, and good and what have you. And it's, you know, a million filled screens. Um, where before, you know, you always had like the one almost reject screen where they showed something that didn't get a lot of marketing. Like I remember when I when I went to see Pootie Tang, it hadn't been heavily marketed. I only knew, knew that it was coming because of the Chris Rock show. And it was a very small theater. Literally, I felt claustrophobic inside of it. So, Sad up Tam. My day, <laughs> my day, me. Love Pootie Tang. I love Pootie Tang. It's awesome. But yeah, that's. I think that the evolution of theaters also has made it very difficult. And I mean, I think there's always going to be a place for theaters. I don't think theaters are going to go the way of Blockbuster. Um, you know, and, and Blockbuster, that's that's like a whole other conversation for another day, of course. But I don't think theaters will go that route. But I, I do agree with you. And even being on the opposite side of you, being a person who loves to go to theaters and what have you, being in the opposite side of that, I still think that much like you that they need to adapt a certain way and that's going to be very difficult because i wonder if if at this point studios are looking and saying we have we're making twice the amount of money on streaming for this film that we would make in theater but why is that well we don't have the amount of money that we have to pay the theater for the rental first of all second of all we're charging 20, which instead of charging 12 for a ticket, we're charging 20. So we're making more. People are paying what they would pay for concessions and the movie while eating at home, not having to move. So it's like the convenience factor is there. You know, so I, I, I agree with you that they have to offer something completely different. And we already saw certain types of movies before the pandemic kind of disappear from theaters, right? Your, yeah. your standard rom-coms, your smaller movies, those already disappeared and were going straight to streaming. So yeah. movie theaters even became more of, yeah, got to see the only the big budgets there uh, for your IMAX and everything else. So and I, And so I think because of that, right, I think that the big studios, when I say big studios, sorry, big theater chains, right? I think they will have a problem. And in their place, I think for movie theaters to survive, it is gonna have to be more independent, smaller theaters instead of your big chains, right? Because 
they're going to be there, but I don't think you're going to have like 10 in a city. There'll be one <laughs> in your big blockbuster movie. Uh, and that's about it. So I think the smaller theaters in order for them to survive. And we had some good ones where we live. I read um, from a Vice article about all these great things that they're doing in New York. I think Keita Jackson wrote it uh, about they're, they're opening up to the community, helping them with protests, all this great stuff that these local small uh, theaters are doing. And part of that is connecting with the community, connecting with filmmakers, uh, especially those are smaller, especially those who don't get play um, on because on the big budgets. And that way, it may be easier to even license some films that most people don't even know of or see and get to talk with filmmakers, even maybe on older films that they like. That way, that will change and those theaters will thrive. But I think the big theater chains are already just going to transition to let's just only show the Marvel movies. Those are what makes us money. That's about it. Because yeah. we've seen that pre-pandemic. We've seen that pre-pandemic. A lot of things were never going to, they're, they're just gone from theaters. They're not shown anymore. Yeah, the you closest. Hong Kong's a year. You'll be lucky to get two. Yeah, the nowadays. closest that they come to that nowadays is like if you go see a movie at a theater and you manage to catch, they, they always have like two um, Bollywood films like an action bollywood and a romantic bollywood film and for some reason that's picking up a lot of speed because i've seen it in, in several theaters not only where i live but also in places like california and stuff like that you'll always see like a bollywood film there so clearly bollywood is upping their marketing game quite a bit um if you go to some other country like for example in in the netherlands in, in amsterdam specifically like i've seen three to four smaller theaters, I mean, really small theaters that only focus on either indie or less marketed films. It might have bigger names, but, you know, they're only showing those two, three films at a time. They still have, you know, a, a bigger theater, which is the Tushinsky, Pathé Tushinsky, which is a historic theater. But, you know, and, and that shows a lot of the you know, the big worldwide block, blockbusters, but they also show more local films as well that are produced by uh, media outlets like End the Mall, for example, or, you know, what have you that might not be releasing them uh, worldwide. So, Yeah, and, and that's where I think the future of movies are because I, I really think for movie theaters, the big model is just, I, I don't think that's coming back. As much as we all love it, I just don't think so. I think uh, 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 for prime example, because we're recording this, uh, The Little Things just came out with Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, Great movie. Uh, and Rami Malek, right? Have you seen it yet, Rick? Um, I've seen the previous, and I was actually uh, hoping to see it today, as a matter of fact. <laughs> that was in my to-do list for the day. Yeah, I've watched it. And I know originally that was going to be released in theaters, and that's not a movie that gets in, released in theaters a lot anymore. Um, those, it's my genre. I love this type of stuff. <laughs> Things are like literally my genre. I love them. Uh, so I've seen them disappear from theaters over the years, right? Most of them go straight to streaming. I watch them all on, on streaming. I love them. My small little crime movies. I love those things. Uh, I didn't feel I lost anything from watching the little things on HBO max versus watching it in a theater. I literally don't think I lost anything. I'm just going to put that out there. I, I think, I think it was. I don't I think, think I lost. My I think you gain also a great deal more appreciation for the craftsmanship in the film because it, and, you know when you go to see it in a theater, and there's only 
three people watching it, you understand that everyone's really prepping for the big movies. Um, I remember when I went to see Roman J. Israel, which was another Denzel film, incredible film. Um, I saw that at theater as well with about three other people. Me and me and Brandon, uh, my son, saw it. I don't know, there's like maybe three other people there, so there's like five of us. Um, same thing with The Klansman. Mm -hmm. you know? Which is another excellent one. Another yeah. fantastic film. Yeah. And the more we push these to theaters, the more they may not get made. Uh, even though they both did relatively well, Roman J. Israel and Black Klansman, uh, everything is a business. They want to turn money. If they don't turn enough money, they're not going to make more. But streaming allows these things to still thrive and see like the little things, which I don't think would have done as well in theaters as I think it would do more in streaming. I honestly think more people have seen in streaming than I think they would have saw it in theaters. I, I, I honestly believe that. And not because it's bad or anything. I just think those type of movies people just don't see in theaters anymore. Just they don't see it. It droves, you know, so no, big anymore. Not like they used to. You know, when, not when, like you had, when you have Bodyguard and films like that that were really driven primarily by the story and not the special effects because again a lot of that too you know back in the day a films were primarily driven by story and that's that's the science in and of itself and then b you know studios had to make money they had to right now studios are you know subsidiaries of far larger companies with you know insane amounts of capital they don't have to constantly turn the sort of profits that they used to where a movie could either sink or, or save them. You mm -hmm. know, like when E.T., uh, was it E.T. or Jaws? One of those two saved Universal Studios, for example, you know. Um, and, and I think that's part of it, too, is like a studio can take a loss now where before they couldn't, you know. I mean, it's not that they can afford to take loss after loss, but I think just the business being different altogether and a different animal altogether, you know, yeah. you're... And so since we're talking about this, I want to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Okay. I bring this up because the four hour cut that got announced, no right. way that plays in theaters, no way that plays in theaters, four hours, no way, no, you know, no theaters in a four hour movie. They're just not no. doing it. No. Okay? I, I, Quentin Tarantino's, um, the hateful eight, the roadshow one, I saw that, you know, double feature roadshow intermission right. in the middle. Uh, got my special one, loved it. But that was an undertaking. They literally had to give us an intermission. And that wasn't four hours long. Uh, <laughs> so no way does a four-hour Justice League fly in a movie theater. But on streaming? Completely. Do it all day. You know you know what's funny? You mentioned, you mentioned intermissions. You know the last time that I watched a film uh, with an intermission? I think it would have to the 1990 it was schindler's list which i believe was 93 late 93 schindler's list was the only the last film that i remember having an actual intermission that and i believe Gettys gettysburg which i watched with with my dad um i i don't recall i mean and they even they even did reports about this later on that you know Films coming out were a lot shorter than than the two hours that you'd normally expect in a, in a film. They were like an hour and a half, an hour and forty five minutes, and that sort of became the you know the ex the expectation. 
So I think mm-hmm. that too is another thing about the movie going experience that, you know, if you're left for too long, then it becomes like a tiresome thing that you don't want to have to deal with because after that you got to drive home. You know, you want to go on a Friday or a Saturday night and when you're driving home, there's like at least 10 idiots on the road that are going out to party or that have been partying since Friday if it's Saturday. So it's like you've got to go through all of that. And I think as you get older, you gain a greater appreciation for the comfort of your recliner. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. And I think the pandemic has hastened that because pre-pandemic, I still went, I had my home movie theater. I, If I could, I watched it at home, but I still went to the movies. The, but Johnny, now the Johnny Plex? I think that's hasten for a lot of people because now that we're out of the habit of doing all that, Mm -hmm. it's hard to go, well, do that. I think the first, once the pandemic's done, the first big movie that comes out, is going to make billions. It's going to be hotcakes because people are just stirred up. But after that, I think people are going to go, yeah, standing in line, waiting to do this, all this, man, I'm kind of over it. I think after the first movie, people are going to be over it immediately. Once they remember all the hassles they had to do, um, I, I don't think it's really going to keep going. So I think now we're used to going, we can just watch this at home. Like, we don't have to do this. Yeah. Uh, it is comfortable. And we can watch a four-hour cut of Justice League at home where in the movie theaters, we would not watch it. So streaming has given us this comfort, accessibility. We can pause moves. We can do all this stuff. When we're going to the bathroom, we miss nothing, right? <laughs> in movie theaters. You have to decide when. There was literally an app to tell you when was a good time to go to the bathroom during Imagine a movie. That. Imagine that. To me, to me, man, it was for that. I used it. I know it. <laughs> here's here's the problem that I had uh, sometimes. It's like I had to go to the bathroom at least seventeen times before I left, and then I was like, "What am I gonna drink?" Because if I drink. Um, Coke, which I don't drink anymore, but if I drink Coke or Pepsi or whatever, any any soft drink, I know it's going to be about 45 minutes into the movie when the stuff starts getting really good that I'm going to want to go to the bathroom. And then you come back, run it, and it's the freaking worst thing in the world. That's the only thing that I don't like about going to movies. I love everything else, but the one thing that really ticks me off is like, you get up, right? And it's like spy versus spy. Like, you got to run really quick. And you don't want to trip. And then there's that lady with the broken ankle. So you don't want to hit her. So you kind of got to jump over it. Kind of like Mario. Right? And then you go down. But you don't want to stop. Because you don't want to say. You don't want people saying. Shh. And then you go to the bathroom. You pee as quickly as possible. Right? And you're like. Okay. It's only been less than a minute. You wash your hands. You run back. You go up. Again. You can't stomp. You go to the row. It's not your row. Damn it. Where's my row? You try to look. You try to look. Finally, you find the person that's there. They're waving at you. They're waving at you. You go in. There's a lady with a broken ankle. You don't want to hit that broken ankle. You skip the freaking broken ankle. And then you get back to your chair. And then it's like, ah. And in that particular respect, I really hated it because you're breathing hard. Damn near hyperventilation. 45 minutes into the film. And you're like, ah. Why? Yeah. That's the only thing I hate about it. Everything else I love. Yeah. And so convincing, I think, people, especially post-pandemic, to do that, hard. But that's why I think alternate models. And I, I know you wanted to talk about one, uh, that, or one that's a resurgence that maybe have died, but post-pandemic may be big. Yeah. The, the one that I was going to talk about is 
drive-in theaters. You know, it's funny because to I went to a drive-in theater a couple of times uh, when I was a little kid. All right, and then it just kind of became like a fascination when you saw the screen and the big empty plot of land with the you know the whatever the walkies or whatever you used to you know so that's come back and it's come back in certain areas um, drive-ins are making a comeback because it's a perfect way to social distance and you know, it can create a new experience, but also for a lot of people that don't understand what drive-ins meant really to this country in particular, a um, hundred years ago, it seems like, not really a hundred, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, it Drive-ins are sort of like a new way to keep you, keep you safe, give you a sort of an idea of what the experience is. And it's sort of like a comeback for from an old standard that used to be the thing, although drive-ins really were used to show B-movies a lot of times, you know? So I think drive-ins seem to be making a comeback, and, and that to a lot of people is something new that might sweeten the experience. It's not going to have the same receipts because you're not going to have 20 million drive-ins pop up out of nowhere when you don't even have the land for it, Um in, in most states, you know, but, um, that's the one area where I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that does. And if it's temporary or if it's a more permanent solution to what we're going through right now. Oh, I remember, uh, when the pandemic happened, I had to move everyone during, during the pandemic. So, uh, where I was before, where I am now different, but <laughs> where I was before they did have a drive-in and that was the only thing I was interested in going in like post pandemic, even where we were living, they opened up theaters. Most people did not go because of course, safety, uh, and drive-ins. I was like, Oh, that, that makes sense. Drive-in at some place. I want to go where I'm at currently. There's no drive-ins and I'm actually sad, but I would love to go to a drive-in. So I kind of agree with you. Pandemic drive-ins are perfect. Uh, <laughs> you feel safe. You're still with your whole family, um, you know, in your pod. Um, and you saw all those uh, like pop-up drive-ins happen, even in local communities. Yeah. Someone put a projector on the side of their house and kind of do that. So that kind of nostalgic feel for something a little more than sitting in a room and going. And I mean, I, Ang Lee even said the same thing. Uh, they interviewed, was it on Collider somewhere else? No, Collider, Tom Hanks did. But uh, Ang Lee was interviewed and asking about movies. All filmmakers love movie theaters. So when we say this, we all love movie theaters. Oh, okay? yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so Ang Lee was saying the same thing, kind of like I was saying that, um, well, differently. But he said that filmmakers are going to have to do something new to bring people in an experience that they usually would not get at streaming something that they actively, visually, whatever has to do in film to get people back in. Because filmmakers, we we're, we are worried about this, right? Uh, theaters are a lot of ways that people, um, I wouldn't say you made it or anything, but you can't get an Oscar unless your movie's played in a theater. Okay, that's how important theaters are. <laughs> the filmmakers, we love them, we need them. I mean, honestly, you don't, you need them. People see that. Um, theaters are a way we all grew you up. Need, you need at least one screen to where everyone says this was so good in this one screen that you know it it's it's going in in you know in this direction 
So yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I know that I've heard in occasion that um, exceptions have been made, but the majority of things that you see have been played somewhere. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And so what I, and, and so I love, I, and I love the drop-ins, but I do think that new experience needs to be shown. But I instead think of set of something visually or sounds that people are thinking that it should be engagement. I think film festivals as the way we know them, because I'm bringing it back to my film festivals, right? If you've never been to a film festival, uh, you, it's, um, it's, it's kind of what I'm talking about, right? A lot of times you can actually see or meet the filmmakers, talk to them on uh, festivals. And a lot of people don't get to experience that at all. That's, that is something that very much the masses don't experience what film festivals are like. Never been to one, never gone to one. They don't get it. They mostly never ever talk to their filmmakers or directors or anybody, unless it's like a Comic-Con maybe, right? And again, that's an experience everyone has to fly down to. There's an I intimacy. There's an intimacy to, to doing that, especially with uh, film festivals. I know that one of my experiences was when uh, Boys School was playing in Amsterdam, we had two runs and on both I had to do um, Q&As. And that, to really have that with, with the audience, no matter how big or small, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're playing to an audience of 20 people or 200 in a regular size theater, there's something there um, it makes it makes the audience feel special to be able to tell you what they think. And on the other end, there's something special about being able to say to someone, here's what our thought process was and to to share that because you don't know how you're how you're impacting that individual mm -hmm. or, all, or all those people. You're, you, you don't know how you're impacting them. So I think that it's something interesting and, and, and unique that definitely is missing from, uh, from film. You know, you can't do it in every film, but at least you can, you can try as much as you can to have that. Yep. You know? And that's where I think, and that's where I think that change needs to happen. Cause I don't think new spectacle, cause honestly, Wonder Woman's a perfect example. It had all the spectacle you need, right? Godzilla versus Kong, which I cannot wait to see, has all the spectacle, right? It has it all, but it's also going to be on streaming. So we need something more than spectacle to bring people back into theaters. I, I just think we just need something more. Because I, I don't think spectacle alone will do it. And story-driven, and I'm not saying there's not story-driven things in theaters, but I think a lot of things that are not less heavily action and more about story are just on streaming now. So we need... Story's not doing it. Spectacle may not do it. What do we need to bring these people? Well, I think that the assumption to, to keep a lot of people on was oftentimes the whole merch thing. Like, I know that we're the theater that we um, used to go, um, we would always see, like, a variety of merchandise, uh, bobbleheads, shirts, everything like that. Like, I think the assumption still more... That, you know, that if we continue to hit from the commercial angle and, you know, let's not think about the personal part of it. Let's just think about the, the angle. You know, you mentioned Fathom earlier and I, and I started watching a lot of Fathom stuff like the replay of Ghostbusters, you know, for one day only 
where there was a little kid that was couldn't have been more than five years old, dressed in like a little Ghostbusters uh, jumpsuit, with a little mm-hmm. name on it and everything, just having a grand time, like watching The Wizard of Oz on on a theater for the first time, making like really going into in that direction of we're gonna try to also give you the experience, but not make it just like a once a week or once a month thing. It doesn't have to be every day. Mm. But giving me the opportunity to decide what I want my experience to be today. Because mm-hmm. there's there's no there's no blockbuster released every day. If you look mm-hmm. at Marvel Phase 3, they released 11 films in three and a half years. That's not an everyday thing, and you can only watch those films so many times. Maybe I want that experience to be me watching a film that I've never seen before you know, in theater and could could only imagine what it was like in 1935 or 1940 or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, I think, the one thing that people really need to look at as well as like, what is the experience going to be, you know? And mm-hmm. and how can I appeal to individuals to, to let them see the, you know, the experience and, and the breadth of it? Yes. You know? Have you... Ever gone to like a midnight showing the Rocky Horror Picture Show? You know, with all the events and everything, everybody's dressed. Not, they do show, they do games not. and all that stuff. I don't think there's ever been one here that I can remember, but I could be wrong. Uh, but I've, oh, yeah. I've heard, I've heard those things are incredible. People go dressed up and everything. Oh yeah, you're wrong. I've, I've done it. It's Were fun. you? It's okay. Good. Question: Were you Dr. Frankfurter? No. Were you? No, you can dress up in your own costumes too. I, I tend to. I make a very, very cute fairy, so I, I tend to do uh, stuff. But um, <laughs> listen, what did you just but, say? <laughs> but those showings, <laughs> and and you know, around cats, I'm gonna bring up cats because Rocky Horror Show, no. cats, and all that. The experience of why people keep going up and watching them is not only the love for the movie; it's the people coming together, playing games, having fun, talking about it. Um, I wish I saw. Let's see, Doug Benson did a show along with The Last, Barry Gord is the Last Dragon, and they bought the original actors there to talk about it. Uh, watched, watched the whole movie with them to talk about it. And, and they I was brought like, Tay oh, Mac. Man, I wish I could have been there. They brought, right? <laughs> they brought Tay Mac and, uh, and Shonuff. Well, Shonuff passed away. Shonuff yeah. passed away. So did Vanity, actually, recently, fairly yeah. recently, about four years ago. So, Yeah. But they had Tamac there. Yep, they had it. But that would have been a great experience. And oh, so I think God. of those. And I think of Cats when Cats came out. Everybody's like, yeah, get together with your friends. Go drunk. Have some fun. Talk at the screen. Do all the things that regularly at movies we're not allowed to do. right? And I think that's what we need. We need experiences that we can now do things in movies we weren't allowed to do. Because sitting in a dark room with other people who are definitely going to use their cell phone, who are <laughs> going to say, you can't pause the movie, all the other stuff that takes people away from going to movie theaters, right? That, that, all that's going to be there post-pandemic. But the things that you usually can't do at home by yourself, like getting together and getting drinks to watch cats or dressing up in costumes with people that you like, or watching an old film with Tamac and talking about it is something that you can't experience at home, but you can experience in a theater. So I think that typical movie watching, not good enough. We need new experiences. All right. So and, I'm going to ask you a question because you keep on bringing up cats and you know, that's a sore subject for me. Um, did you dress up like a cat character? No, I would. Okay. I, okay. Okay. I, listen, 
I am of the mind that no one should see cats not even drunk. Um, <laughs> unless it's the butthole cut. Because then at least you have something to look at. I think they should put, they should do, they should have Zack Snyder come in and uh, do a four hour cut of cats mixed with Justice League. Where Honestly, the cats are summarily. Four hours of Zack Snyder's cats, I will actually watch. <laughs> That's my point. That, see, that right there is, is all, because. The rest of it is I don't know if they were dressed like cats or or if if it was like a CGI thing like I couldn't tell and that really oh. that disturbed me that that disturbed me almost as much as watching the lighthouse and this is a nod to Mike Shear another member of Triskelion Productions another member of Triskelion Productions who took us to see the lighthouse and I'm telling you right now, beautifully shot, beautifully edited. I'm not, you know, I love uh, Willem Dafoe and, and what have you. But that movie, you got you to gotta be emotionally ready for it. Oh, I love The Lighthouse. I love The Lighthouse. Do you love The Lighthouse? You, you want to hear about my experience in The Lighthouse? Mm -hmm. Okay, first of all, you know, when, when, when you do see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil... Yeah, that happened like 12 times to me um, <laughs> while watching The Lighthouse. Okay, and, you know, the mermaid scenes in particular were, like, mind-blowing. Um, and that's because I had a crush on Daryl Hannah from Splash. That's another time, you know, it's another time. Yeah, yeah. No, um, there was a Listen, guy. Patreon one day, and then you could vote on topics, and we'll have mermaid topics. No, we're not going to talk about mermaids <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> but there's like it, it was insane like there was actually a guy that was switching seats every five minutes like i timed him he did it at least 12 or 13 times he would get up from the seat look and he was dressed a little bit like in a sailor type shirt so i don't know if maybe he had been a sailor and had had mermaid experiences or you know with seagulls and if you've seen the movie you know what i'm talking about and then he would move to the next chair and it move and then move again and then move and move again and i was like He's, and it could have been something, you know, something wrong or whatever, but I was just like, um, that, that was an experience. So th that's why I love movies, because you can also occasionally pick up on, on characters that you meet at the theaters. You don't want to talk to them because you don't know if, if that person might be dangerous. But, you know, as for any writer... Or any filmmaker, it's it's great to to you know people watch at the movie theater. I know that sounds creepy, but you know it's not. <laughs> uh, uh, it's not. Uh, I mean, I can remember so to be down in theaters, the communal experience, which is what I'm trying to talk about, because I love actually the people when you see movies. When I saw yes. Get Out with my partner, and I saw Get Out in a mostly black theater, and that was uh, uh, the greatest experience, and I loved it. Um, and I love that movie, but I loved it even more seeing it around people and all of our reactions all at the same time. And then I think of a movie like Slender Man, and I try to be very positive, but I'm going to say this. There was a moment in Slender Okay. So I saw Slender Man with my partner, and we were sitting there, and she is, like, completely afraid of Slender Man. Slender Man was something that terrifies her. Right. So we're going to this movie. She was so ready to be so scared. I mean, she literally shakes and almost cries when she used to see Slender Man things, okay? That's how scared she was. Right. So we're going to see the Slender Man. We're at a Notre Theater. And she's talking through it like, this is bad. This is bad. I'm like, shh, shh, shh. 
Josh, no, no, give the movie. I, this is literally me. She's talking and I'm in the movie theater. I'm like, Shh, everyone here, we're trying to see a scary movie. You know, you, you can't do that. Just give it a chance. She's like, okay. I go, all right. Oh God, this is so bad. I literally scream, visibly said it out loud. And then other people just started laughing and they're all like, this is terrible. This is not scary. And those are great moments to collectively be with people and feel reactions and be able to do something like talk. And this is where I say like talk. Those experiences of Get Out, and if you saw it in all black theater, you know what I'm talking about because you know when people are reacting, when at the ending scene, when that, mm, if you haven't seen it, I can't, I don't want to spoil it. But let's just the ending scene. The, the literal just raucous around the theaters, the claps, the, the other things, the jubilation was so great. I couldn't have gotten that alone. Watching Slenderman, which now my partner's not afraid of, all of us laughing at it right, collectively was great. It was a great feeling. Um, Avengers Endgame, both of the Avengers went from, and I'm going to spoil this one because it's the biggest scene movie, so whatever. <laughs> both I don't of think you're spoiling this, anything at this point, dude. Yeah, yeah. When Peter Parker died in the theater, all of us being collectively sad when the movie ended and we're like, what the hell? Uh, and crying, great time. Uh, when everybody came back and we're all cheering, even when Captain America lifted up that hammer, the whole place erupting, great. Those experiences, you can't replicate at home. But that's no. why I think we need to change theaters because no one's being silent. No one's not off their phone. That's why we need to change the relationship with theater so we can still have those communities together. When I saw Star Wars, the one where they were there on the uh, the first one of the of the latest trilogy, what was it called? Like Jedi something or something? New Hope. New no, Hope. not not New Hope. Not New Hope. From the uh, latest <laughs> latest tr trilogy with uh, with. No, I know episode seven. Why, why am I blanking? Episode, episode seven. Eight, episode nine is the Ride of Skywalker. Episode seven is I am blanking. A new, no, we're gonna new call book. it. We're gonna call it the Search for Luke. Uh, <laughs> for lack of a better word. So uh, I'm, to look it up. I am looking it up, everyone, because I know people are screaming out there like, "How dare you not know that Star Wars Episode Seven is called The Force Awakens?" I yeah. mean, I didn't. Know that, I totally the, the knew Force that. Awakens totally. <laughs> um, so Amadou Tushinsky in Amsterdam, they've got everyone, like all the employees dressed up as Star Wars characters, and everyone's coming in, like a lot of people were coming in as Star Wars characters, Jedis, little Princess Leia's, even one guy came in as Jabba the Hutt, or I don't think he came in as Jabba the Hutt, I think he just legit looked like Jabba the Hutt, but I don't know. Um, he was like, Oogie cha 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 no. <laughs> but, um... So everyone's dressed up. I'm in the balcony. This theater is like seriously old school because they had a legit balcony that it isn't like what you see in modern theaters. It's like a round balcony and stuff like that. And like in every key scene, especially when they find Luke at the end, everybody, everybody exploded. I mean, they exploded. They were crap, but people weren't on their phones or anything like that. I think that having that communal experience would probably definitely make it a lot more special. As, as a kid, I know that when I used to go to, you know, the Plexes, when, when the Mighty Ducks win their, <laughs> their second title in, uh, in California, everybody's like clapping and so happy about the Mighty Ducks. And I mean, it's the freaking Mighty Ducks, but still, it's, the, it's that experience 
of everyone's mm-hmm. clapping, you know. Um, there's there's always the the first date. Um, I don't know if anyone can relate to the first date experience in a movie theater. I certainly can from when I was 14, you know, the first time you did the move. Oh, you know? yeah. You can replicate oh, yeah. that in your home, but it, it'll just be a lot weirder if you invite a girl over to your house. And the you put your arm around her. It's like, wait a minute. I'm not going to be in investigation discovery. What the hell's wrong with you? Uh, and, and and you make a good point because I the beach with Leonardo DiCaprio was the first movie I ever made out with a girl, and so I remember that. <laughs> I Leo 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 helped me with uh with Titanic, Titanic. Oh my god! I so did not like that movie, and it's just it's not that I didn't like it. It's just I felt it was long, and you know you know what happens in the end. I mean, it's the freaking Titanic. You know, there's no. There's no giving the Titanic a happy ending here. You know? Yeah. Ever. Yeah, I, I saw Titanic as a kid and honestly laughed during the ending scenes, but that made I, I was uh, with a girl, on, you know, during Titanic. And when she would get emotional, I would, I would take that as my opportunity to, you know, put my arm around her and, and be all, like, you know, uh, studly. Uh, <laughs> I cannot believe I'm saying this. I don't want to get canceled, but the girl and but it was that thing that you would come together in in the movie. And obviously back then, cell phones weren't really a thing. You know, we had pagers. Remember the pagers, John? Oh yeah, I remember my first pager. <laughs> I had an NEC pager that had like a screen, yay big, and it was all spinachy and whatever. But you were pager. It was blue, little see through. Oh, I thought I was. Oh, cool. yeah, that was that was the stuff, man. The bu- the bubble pager, the bu- the bubble Motorola. That was it. That was it. So you know, with that, but even then, it was different. So I think that part of it too is is the way we're living life now, to where we're just like, you know, we share more via cell phone, and I think that that's where the pandemic might actually help. It, it's it might help us to actually forget about the the cell phone a little bit and, and actually interact because since we're forced to do it anyway, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we don't have to have conversations via text when we're like three feet from each other. Yeah. You but know, see so. what we're forgetting about dating is that uh Netflix and chill. It's literally a verb. So you can it still is, date. It is a thing. It is a thing. Netflix and chill. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's just not in theaters anymore. <laughs> We still have that. It's just not. See, so that time. might go against, and what I'm going to say, it's not 100% PC, but not 100% inaccurate. Um, you could Netflix and chill like all the way in a theater, but you can <laughs> if you're at home. <laughs> so, <laughs> anybody that says that this isn't true, that has Netflix and been chilling, y'all know. <laughs> Y'all know you're a bunch of liars because you could never Netflix and chill all the way in the theater unless you wanted to be arrested. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I, I think this is a good time though, to start wrapping up and get our final thoughts on. <laughs> Before we get too far in. <laughs> John, do you have anything to say, John? Uh, on this topic? No, I think I'm just gonna <laughs> I, think, I think what we'll do is say, yeah, we're done. <laughs> all right, all right. So okay, so that, that brings us to today's closing. What a what a pleasant closing that was. No. Um and so follow 
Pops, would you like me to go first or should I? Um, should I? I want you to go first now that you've recovered and everything. You look like you've, you know. <laughs> so my final thoughts is, um, okay, we, I love theater. I do. I just highly believe the experience needs to change uh, for theaters. I don't think the way theaters are going is really going to win us back. We need experiences in our theater, and our theaters need to become part of the community much more. And I also think we need to add in technology and be understandable of it, so streaming is a part of it. There's no reason that local theaters can't stream everywhere else, and even bring a, a director or someone involved in the film from anywhere and stream them right there on the movie screen, because they don't necessarily have to be physically there anymore, right? Yeah. And I think as we keep getting used to these, uh, pandemic post models. That's the way we need to engage with film. We need to have experiences when they're there, come together to have fun. And that's why I brought up Rock, Rocky Horror Picture Show, even Cats, because we can have, and Marvel, we can have different experiences with different films. They don't have to be unique and this, uh, the same. They can all be unique. Totally agree. Yeah. So I don't believe theaters the way that they used to be. It should be the way forward post pandemic. I really think they should change. Uh, and, you know, advocate for that change, man. Go to your local theaters. Tell, tell them to do more. Uh, I do like that local theaters have been letting people rent out the whole theater. I've been wanting to do that. I have not yet, but I do like that they are doing that. I we just, should. We should. And then, you know, what, sh what should happen is you should go to the theater dressed as Captain Popcorn. And that would be awesome. It know? was Popcorn Man. Popcorn Man. Yes. That's yes. right. Like popcorn, like Superman, set for popcorn. I don't know. It's for some reason there was like a captainy feel to it. Like it was, it was commanding. You know, so Superman, you think... Superman's a bit of a Boy Scout. I think Captain Popcorn is like, like I'm a captain. Rawr, popcorn. No, but Popcorn Man wants to feed people. So Popcorn Man is uh, is <laughs> for everyone out there, and this is audio medium. All right, so everyone out there. Um, I made up for Halloween. I'm a big Halloween fan. I made up my own costume hero called Popcorn Man, uh, who has the power uh, to make popcorn. Basically, he always has popcorn, and he wants to go out there and feed him. And he has a sidekick called Super Slurp, uh, who's there to quench your thirst. So, uh, <laughs> Popcorn Man was bitten by radioactive popcorn and then gained the powers of popcorn. Nice, nice. Uh, nice. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, uh, you know, so Marvel, if you're looking and you need a new superhero idea or DC or um, anybody out there, I got it for you, Popcorn Man. It's going to be great. It's for the kids, maybe. It's for, the, for the kids. <laughs> kind of. All right, final thoughts. <laughs> All right, my final thoughts are that I think this should definitely inspire, uh, you know, younger filmmakers to think really heavily about stories that can once again you know really engage people don't think about don't always think about making the next blockbuster because we already know who's doing that mm -hmm. and we already know what that what that all entails mm -hmm. but getting those stories that really brought people to the dance in the first place that that really make people you know talk about the movie not about the gigantic laser stuff like that like think about things like that i think this is this has been a great opportunity for a reset and 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 thinking about the, the thought process again and and how that thought process can can improve from it and improve the overall experience you know it's not i don't think it's going to go away 
But I think if we have to make it better, we all have to do our part definitely in some way, shape, or form. So I think that that's, that's the opportunity now, and that's definitely one of my takeaways for it. Yeah, definitely. And for all the future uh, filmmakers out there, aspiring filmmakers, engage in your community. You can learn a lot from what, um, you know, YouTuber streamers, Instagram influencers. And if you notice your favorite directors and Hollywood people are doing the same, engage in your community, build a community and engage with them. Absolutely. Um, as, as filmmakers, the people who watch your movies are your community, right? <laughs> your fans and the people out there who are um, who are enjoying the stories, right? That you're putting out. So engage with them. Let them be a part of it. The more you do, soon enough, you know, you can build your own fan base like these bigger people have, right? Exactly. So you'll everyone start somewhere. Start with engaging your community. Start with your story, as Rick said. <laughs> Great advice over there. Uh, really think about it. Not about the stuff, but about stories and about community. I think that's yeah. All right. Well, don't forget to tune in next time. Um, we're going to be. I'm not done yet. I just wanted to get your. Oh, you final... have more final thoughts? Oh, my bad. My bad. No, no, uh, no. Final, I didn't final thoughts, make... part two. <laughs> no, no, no. My thoughts are there. I was gonna ask if you had anything you want to say, plug anything that you want to let them know. Um. Yes. What I do want to say is check out our film, uh, Searching for Betty Paoli on Tubi. It's also for anyone in Europe, specifically the United Kingdom, uh, France, and Spain. We're going to be in Alchemy very soon. And we're also searching for Betty Paoli and our other film, uh, Boys School, are going to be released through Duya, which is going to be available through 17 platforms. And we'll give you information on that um, as we get it, because we just recently signed that contract. But um, yeah. Be sure to catch our podcast. And as we move on, we're going to do everything from watch alongs to interviews. So you guys are going to love it. Yeah. Uh, and so just, just say, Rick, please go and watch our films. Let us know how you like it. This is our way of engaging with you, our community as well. So definitely like, share, subscribe, comments. Please let us know. Reach out to us on our official Instagram handle. Rick, give them our official Instagram. Triskelion Productions. Bam. And think of it. We talk about Marvel movies. Think about the Triskelion. You know what it's about. It's not about that, though. But <laughs> before you think we named ourselves after Marvel, we did not. No. We didn't. <laughs> no it's, we didn't. It's, it's a different story altogether. And um, also remember, take it easy on the Netflix and chill. Bless y'all. <laughs> Uh, for those who are watching, this is my brother, my little brother. He made me a t-shirt. This is me when I used to have my very big throw and, uh, 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 you know, how I used to dress. Oh, your so, brother uh, made that? Yeah, my brother made that for me. He drew wow. it and everything. That so, is awesome, dude. It's really cool. He used to have a flashy, flashy living. That's his clothing brand. He's rebranding it right now. This is Flashy Living Clothing. Besides that, again, Cinematic Podcast. You can find it here on Spotify. Like, share, subscribe. Uh, you can find our videos, uh, again, on Tubi. Please, please, please uh, watch it. Let us know how you like it on Instagram, Triskelion Productions. Uh, we love, love to engage with you and talk to you. So reach out to us. We'll see you next week uh, with another interesting topic. Uh, this time we'll probably go a little more into maybe some reviews or something else. Who knows? Uh, we know, but you'll know, know when you listen. But you'll know, and then everybody else will know. So remember, tell your mama, tell your mm -hmm. pa, tell your everybody. brother. Tell your sister, tell your friends, all tell right? Everybody, everybody. Tell everybody.
everybody. All right. So we'll see you next time at Cinemagic. Have a great week, everyone. Have a great weekend, guys.